Hi there, and welcome to the Sanctuary Podcast. Our vision is to find sanctuary in Christ and then to be sanctuary to each other and express sanctuary to this city. And so for us, success is loving well, one person at a time. And if we can help you in any way, please do feel free to reach out, jump onto our website, sanctuarysf.com, and we would love to connect. Anyway, back to the podcast. Great. Okay, everybody. Good to be together. Can you grab your Bibles and turn to the book of Ephesians? We're going to be jumping around a little bit today. I know you won't mind that because you love your Bibles. Give me more Bible, Tom. I hear you say. Um, So, um, in Ephesians chapter 4, last week, for those of you who were in the park, I was speaking about some of the biblical implications for the resurrection of Jesus. Can anyone remember? Not to put you on the spot. Because Jesus is resurrected from the dead, what does that practically mean? It's a quick quiz. Anyone remember any of the four specific things I said? Because he's raised from the dead, the Bible tells us, do, 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 do. Matthias? That's right. The sending of the Holy Spirit is connected to him being raised on dead from, from the dead. Anyone else remember any of the other four? Don't worry if you can't. He, we also said that the sick are healed. It says because he's, he's raised from the dead, Jesus loves to, to heal people. We also said that the comfort of the saints. Do you remember that we looked at the fact that even when Stephen was dying, he saw the resurrected Jesus. Because Jesus is raised, we can be confident even when we face death. And we also fourthly said that because Jesus is raised from the dead, it talked about the fact that people are convicted of sin. It says he sent, uh, that Jesus turned people um, away from their wicked ways. So um, there's so many implications of Jesus being raised from the dead. I, I don't know if you've thought about this. It's quite interesting. And just to kick us off today, I spotted another one which is really relevant to my opening point. In Ephesians 4, a very precious chapter to us as a church, um, we see here in verse 10, it says, this is about Jesus, he who descended is the very one who ascended. Here we go again. So ascended, raised from the dead, up to heaven, same idea, higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So what did he do from this raised place? I've just told us four things he does. Heal the sick, convict us of sin, comfort us, send the spirit for, for power. There's another thing. Can I have a ooh? Thank you. Another thing that we're going to learn that Jesus does from his resurrected place of activity. This is so interesting. He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Verse 11, it was he who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors, some to be teachers. Here we go. To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and we become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, and then we'll be no longer infants, tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there. So do you see a fifth 
implication that because Jesus is raised from the dead and he's ascended, he gave these incredible gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. This is amazing. So because he's raised from the dead, how is the church built? What is the blueprint that the Bible gives us? Why was Paul so fruitful in just a few years of active ministry? Most of the time he was either preparing for ministry or he was in prison. (laughs) He actually only had a few years of scurrying around the Middle East. How come so much happened? Oh, well, it was because he knew that there was this resurrected Jesus who was healing the sick and doing the other things. But one thing he did was that Jesus from on high, he gave these gifts. We've been speaking today about the Spirit of God. We can hear him. We can hear God. So I believe that the orthodox, the biblical way that we should see churches established, according to Ephesians 4, is because there's this raised person called Jesus. He's ascended and therefore he's poured out these amazing gifts into men and women and you suddenly find yourself operating in these ways now why is that relevant because it then goes on to say these fivefold ministries are there what's their job what's the job look with me verse 12 to prepare or in some of your translations what's the other word not prepare but equip, equip. i actually prefer equip but i love the niv in the esv and other places it says to equip say equip equip so we go from this crazy big cosmic head expanding beginning verse jesus is raised he wants to fill the universe and he's doing that by sending these gifts on people to build the church what's the point of all of this this is so kind of otherworldly tom no it's actually really practical because these gifts they're there to not do it all they're not there to be celebrity pastors celebrity evangelists they're there to roll up their sleeves to equip the saints for the work of ministry so you need to be inspired that's important you need to be taught that's important but you really need and i really need to be equipped isn't it true it's different to be inspired than to be equipped you know i victor's a brilliant computer guy but he's also a brilliant equipper no he is actually this is a spontaneous illustration but There's times where you see Victor doing his computer stuff and you're inspired. But there's other times where we have computer problems and and he he will be equipping me through the phone. Try this, try this, try this. And I am being equipped by Victor. Do you see? Not just inspired, but equipped. That's why Josie from Word Go today has been like, boom, we are not here to just be inspired. God wants to equip us. Do you understand that? So that you can confidently do the things you're called to do. Not just be excited about it, you know. I mean, let's be honest, if you're just an excited Christian, that's fine, it will last a few minutes in San Francisco. We need to be equipped. It's a very different idea. It's like actually skilled in how do we love God with all of our heart, soul, strength and mind, and how do we actually love well one person at a time when most people don't at all even necessarily share the same worldview and they've been through a terrible year and everyone's read raw and feeling probably quite isolated we need to be equipped now the reason i say all of that is because these times where we're coming back after a year of not being in a kind of 
a, a relatively regular context. One thing we were passionate about pre-COVID was this whole equipping thing. Any of you who were here pre-COVID, you'll remember a lot of what we were doing, we were kept on emphasizing that particularly before we press go with the kind of fully public every single Sunday morning part of church life, we really want to be equipped and know our values, to be knowing what our philosophy of ministries are. We actually really wanted to be equipped with just knowing each other. Now, I know we still have masks, so it's not exactly normal, but you have beautiful eyes. You really do, all of you, just to say that. And we, we can actually still persist in saying, Lord, what does it look like to be equipped? So these times, which is why you've got a table, it's why we've got the infamous whiteboard, why you've got these groovy notepads, is because this isn't just about watching and listening to the band and me. We love as a church, like we lent into a year ago, equipping means we are all involved. God, the Holy Spirit, is here and he wants to continue to build this church, but in a way by which we are actually dialoguing and talking. And I'm going to talk for just a few moments as I'm doing now. And then we're going to think, we're going to discuss, we're going to write on our notepads, we're going to talk as little groups. We're going to feed back and harvest some of the things that we've said on here. And then we'll pray. So it's an equipping kind of deal more than ever. It says, if we can have the next slide, I think it says in Matthew 16... It says this, the Pharisees and the Sadducees came to Jesus and tested him by asking him to show them a sign from heaven. He replied, whenever evening comes, you say it will be fair weather, the sky is red and in the morning. Today it will be stormy for the sky is red and overcast. He says this, you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the sign of the times. So these times we want to be not just like practical people who know rules of thumb about, you know, the weather and, and physically minded. Jesus is saying, I want a people who know the signs of the times. These times where we gather down here in the belly of the whale, there are going to be times where we're like, Jesus, what are you saying? Yeah? What, 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 are, the, the, what are the times that we're living in? Knowing the different seasons you are in, and they're not all the same. Autumn is different to spring. It's different to winter. You know, our family, if I treat Saturday morning as the same season as a Monday morning, I'll be in trouble because Saturday mornings are no alarm clocks, getting up slowly, resting, pancakes. That's the season of the moment on a Saturday. Monday mornings, we've got to get up. Coffee, music, we've got school starting very soon. So what seasons are we in? We're going to be asking those questions over these next few weeks. We want to be a people who go, oh, well, if we're in this season, if we're in like a healing season, for example, then what does that mean for us as a family, as a church family? If we're in like a get up and go Monday morning season, what does that mean? So these times are our attempt. Let me summarize it as this. If you're taking notes, we want to shift from kind of survival mode that we've all been in <laughs> kind of for the last year. And I don't disparage that. It's been a vital thing to kind of, I guess, slightly more intentional living. Personally, as a family, in our workplaces, but also as a church. That's the question for today. What does it look like for us to start to contemplate this shift from being in something of a survival mode 
to more and more into an intentional way of living. In light of the sign of the times, in light of the seasons that we are in as a person, but as a city, if we're in this season, Lord, how do we start to live more and more intentionally in that way? And if you're anything like me, you know, I'm 43 now. When I was 23, I could just sort of spring out of bed in the mornings. Now I kind of basically need a plan. You know, when I wake up, it, it, it takes a while to kind of navigate my way. And as we wake up over these next few weeks and months, it will take us time to connect and to be together and to become intentional. When you've been in survival mode for a year, it isn't easy normally, is it, just to go straight back into kind of um, intentional mode. So before, before all of this happened, um, we were actually, if you were around pre-COVID, we were pretty intentional, actually. I, um, me and Josie, when we came here, we, we, there were several things, I think, that having um, been involved in England, leading a church there for 10 years, and part of the movement that we're part of as a family of churches, we were therefore very intentional about various things. The first thing that we were intentional pre-COVID as I think about what does it mean? What does it mean to become intentional over this next season? Well, the first thing that we were very intentional about was laying a foundation that this church, this baby church, is part of something bigger. So those of you who, who were around those days, you remember we talked a lot about the fact that we're part of a, I think we've got a slide here, part of a, a family of churches called New Frontiers. Most Americans have never heard of them. But they started in England in the 60s. There's now about 4,000 churches growing exponentially on every continent of the world. This family of churches is marked by, by things like the, really loving the Word of God, properly getting into the Bible, but also really loving the Holy Spirit. Oh, isn't that frustrating? We like both. And there's a tension straight away. You know, they're not enemies. The Spirit wrote the Bible. You know, the Apostle Paul wrote Romans and had a brain the size of Jupiter. And then he raised the dead. Oh, Paul, choose a camp, you know? But we're like, no, no, we actually believe that they are going to come together. So we, we started to explore intentionally, intentionally. We don't have to reinvent unique values to us as a church. They're not unique. A, they're biblical, but B, we're in a movement that's been around half a decade, uh, half a century. And bringing us into that has been really key. You know, we, we, when you look at, how the church was 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 birthed in the new testament it wasn't these individual churches that were disconnected paul when he was in one place was often talking about another church here and connecting them and there was this there was this um sense in which no local church this is a big thing to say i don't believe a local church can reach full maturity without something of a bigger connection with other movements and i'll tell you why because no one country has uniquely got it down. Every country has strengths and, and weaknesses, even America. We need to learn from brothers and sisters in China and in Brazil and in Africa. We really do, and vice versa. And this is what you see in Paul, this amazing blueprint that each local church is gonna be super focused locally, but also connected globally. It's a joy. It's a wonderful thing where we can partner with brothers and sisters meaningfully, relationally, and learn from them and them from us. And it's been amazing that 
<coughs> Sanctuary has had hundreds of thousands of dollars given from people all over the world. The only reason Josie and I are here in many ways and able to leisurely, in many ways, without a sense of panic, you know, give ourselves to seeing this church plant is because thousands of churches globally have said, we want to give what we can to see that church plant started in San Francisco. It's been super moving. So first of all, then, we've been intentional about being um, a church plant that is connected very intentionally with a movement and that I'm accountable, I'm under authority joyfully to other people who are fathers and mothers in the Lord who are helping us and caring for us and asking tough questions. And some of you are getting to know them and they're going to be part of our story as they come over the next few months and years. Um, Second thing, we were very intentional in saying that discipleship for us is more important than just events. Now, I don't want to be, I I love events, right? I used to lead a big event in the UK, a college ministry thing. I I love it. However, um, year one, if you remember, we were like, we want to be intentional. You know, the one metric that Jesus is like, I really care about is not actually how big is your crowd. It's like, you need to go and make disciples. And so we were saying, well, wait a minute, if that's the one metric that Jesus is like, apart from loving the Lord your God, I really do want you to be someone who, who partners with the risen Jesus in seeing people come to faith and grow in faith. That's it. That's actually an, that's a metric we should feel not crushed by, but an urgency by. It is real. And that's why we talk about, a lot about loving well, one person at a time. And that's why we kept on asking the question, well, number one, what is a disciple? And how do we do it? So many of you... Um, We'll remember this book. If you haven't bought this book, apart from the Bible, for year, for year two or whatever we're in, who knows, if I can encourage you to buy a book that will bless you in terms of helping um, us together develop a shared language. As a community, we want to have a shared language. Um, a lot of people say culture eats strategy for breakfast. I love that. I think there's some truth in that. As we develop like a culture together, that more than just putting on events with lots of rosters and, you know, building this thing, it's all about just size for the sake of it. No, 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 slow this down. We wanna be those who who actually love people and in some way humanly express something of the discipling heart of Jesus in person. So when you get to the end of your life, there should be lots of people who say, Jesus discipled me, but humanly, Josie Shaw, more than any other person, loved me, asked me how I was doing, texted me relentlessly, prayed for me, cared for me, discipled me. We're not, you know, we're not meant to be individuals who are just floating through life and, and small groups important and, and big Sundays is important, but that kind of life on life, man, it's so overlooked and it's, you know, just consistent, regular, undramatic investment in each other is so huge. And I want to say, man, after the year that we've had, you know, when I'm feeling rotten and I just have a coffee or a lunch with Jesse or whoever, and at the end of it, I'm like, I don't quite know why, but I just feel so different. There's something about life on life discipleship that is so crucial. And, it, and I want to say this with urgency. I know so many pastors 
who have seen a third of their church just not come back and they're saying i know what they're doing they've just they've abandoned the faith i mean it's, it's so consistent from dc to england to california so many of my pastor friends are saying they've just at first they were online and then they stopped watching online and then they just slowly drifted away and who knows what will happen i'm not saying it's the end of the it's going to end like that but we need to realize we're really naive if we don't think we need to be intentional we have a real enemy and he's he's doing great just think about the crowds and watch them tele tele church and you'll be fine absolute poppycock we need we need to be intentional people amen amen, amen. i love this thirdly we were going on about prophecy a lot now quickly turn with me to corinthians we're almost going to get into our discussions now almost there 1 corinthians this is a big deal to us 1 corinthians 14 follow the way of love eagerly desire spiritual gifts especially the gift of prophecy for anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but god indeed no one understands him he utters mysteries with his spirit but everyone who prophesies speaks to men and women for their strengthening encouraging and, and comfort now we've already said this today as we started our time so i'm not going to go over this but this is a big deal to us because it's biblical and because paul again was like how is a major way you get strengthened encouraged and comforted it is through people prophesying over you there is a power not of this world when a just uh, someone looks you in the eye and says i i just feel like who knows why this it may not be you know i think god might be just saying he's so for you and you're not alone and it's very clear here it's how do we know if it's god or not well you know it needs to be encouraging and strengthening and comforting <laughs> if it's any of those other things it's it's not it's you know god is saying in the way of love encouragement is huge and prophecy is a big deal to us um the fourth thing that we were really intentional for those of you around pre this with covid world was vulnerability and kind of relational depth and again i just you know it says at the beginning of that passage follow the way of love follow the way of love and paul in the previous chapter says love is patient and love is kind love doesn't boast love doesn't envy so basically we're called to be those who are humble and model vulnerability and we're called sanctuary church for a reason and it is my deep conviction in a city filled with extremely bright people um, who in many ways a lot of you in this room even are like changing the world you know it's that kind of air that we breathe in this city and it's, it's not untrue however as great as that is if you don't know how to have friends if you don't know how to relationally just be real and normal and have interaction it can be a very lonely place and a place where there's a lot of masks and we all kind of look the same and everyone's saying the same things and everyone's on the brink of tears you know and mental health is an epidemic but for other people not for us and we're like no no come on you know a year ago Josie and I went through a real battle with mental health and we were honest about that I mean we couldn't hide really let's be honest we're not that big so we had to kind of tell everyone but at the same time in the providence of God some of you afterwards were like do you know what I'll be honest I've I've struggled with these things as well depression anxiety so vulnerability was a fourth thing we were like we're going for this we're going to really go for this so that mental health is not some shamed area subpart but no no if we're going to be a sanctuary where we can be really real 
we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna build from the foundations uh, a place where people can be really honest and vulnerable. Okay, so that's just four ways that, off the top of my head, um, that we I felt were pursuing some level some level of intentionality. Okay, now in your groups, um, Victor, you're on your own, but maybe you could come over to our table. Uh, yeah, we can slightly move around. I think just stay sort of distanced. If that's okay, just uh, we obviously have to, you know, be careful. But this is the question: What did it look like for you? What, what, what ways in which I think we've actually got the questions here? What ways have you been in survival mode a bit, personally, or I mean, you probably won't be able to answer all of these. Maybe think of one of these categories that springs to life. What ways have you been in survival mode over the last year or so in church or in personal life? And then after, say, five minutes or so, share it a little bit between yourselves, if you're comfortable doing that. What ways might it look for you to start to be a bit more intentional? You know, getting out of bed is a process. <laughs> it's a slow thing for most of us. But it, it, in this place, place where, you know, you've got a few moments of relative quiet, are there some things that maybe you think, oh, actually, now I think about it, I do want to become a bit more intentional in, in this area of my life or in this area of my family or work or in church. And then once we've done that for maybe 10 minutes or so, we'll get some feedback, we'll get the whiteboard out, harvest some of the, not so much areas that you've been uh, in survival mode, don't worry, but some of the intentional steps that we can sort of become accountable to a little bit here today and then we'll, and then we'll spend some time praying. Sound good? Any questions? Great, thanks friends. Okay, well let's maybe find just one or two others if you're, if you're kind of um, on your own or in a couple and then we will we'll come back in 10 or 15 minutes. Okay, all right guys. Let's, let's draw our attention over here. Uh, Josie, my darling, would you mind doing the, uh, yeah. Oh, Kathy! Sorry, that was quite loud. Yes, Kathy Kong. Kathy Kong, best name in the world. I, those, the red and the black ones are quite new, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's start on the left. Let's do a few. Are people happy for us to scribble down a few survival mode examples? You don't have to be too personal, don't worry. But uh, I think it's quite interesting hearing just to have a moment to think about it. So any examples, first of all, you want to just uh, just shout out ways in which you notice that you've been in survival mode this year or that were shared on your table that you could you could mention. How about over here? We had a really good one that's not thinking about the next day, but only thinking about like, what am I doing today? How can I yes. do this? How can I get through that mentality? Yeah. The, yeah. Absolutely. Kind of Groundhog Day type thing. Yeah, just literally thinking about the moment, which there's some good things about living in the present for sure. <clears throat> but I know, I know what you're saying, almost you just become so locked in. Any from over here, any other examples of survival mode you've seen? Billy? Smaller, oh, sorry, Phil. A smaller, smaller world, I guess. So yeah. family and then a very small sort of church and community group. Yes. And then kids' school. And then that's pretty much the Wow. 
Absolutely. Almost like a bit cabin fevery type. Yeah, I mean, it definitely felt like the right way to survive. Yeah, so yeah, totally. There's, there's actually a lot, there's a lot of positive about it. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was definitely a survival thing. Yes. Yeah. That's good. Buddy, did you have one? You stole my blog earlier. I'll do two. Give up on exercise. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> leaning on food and drink a lot more for comfort. Yeah. <laughs> I don't identify with that at all. <laughs> but I'm sure you struggled, you know. <laughs> definitely. Oh my gosh. Yeah, totally. Any from the table in the corner? Don't want to leave you out. Yes. Right. Yes. That's so a strong no muscle became incredibly strong. <laughs> yeah. Very good. Uh, any from these guys? The Jackie table. Any thoughts? Matthias, the table. Um, well, I think I can speak personally, like tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. like, prioritizing myself and yeah. not seeing anybody else around me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, identify with that. How about George, your table? I can go. Or Robbie? I, I was like not very intentional about expanding my social spheres. Like, mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean I do and I, I think I mentioned this, but like you sort of alluded to, Phil. Hello. Um I think I mean there's it's not to say oh, survival mo survival is a bad thing. Man, survival you I mean, I think honestly, if I can say this, I'm so proud of us, I think it's been amazing how much health personally and at the family level and at the church level has been present through a awful awful time i mean it's, it has been and in a way obviously it's still sort of carrying on it's not gone but i just am so so proud of how people have made really wise decisions uh so often not perfect but we love you stella um so what about intentional so many thoughts about intentionality lovely word any things that came let's start maybe this side we'll go back back that way how about you mark or bob or matthias uh, yeah yeah i mean I, like speaking personally the choosing the ideas um that you sort of want as uh, to, to center your life on mm. versus kind of just letting you know whatever media you consume feed other ideas yeah absolutely that's a that's a really wise I love that choosing the ideas you're going to base your life on and not just being yeah on autopilot with that that's great thanks man um ryan and robbie's table and george any other thoughts mm-hmm yes 
Yeah, that's great. And Robbie, I have to. Are you the one you said as well was helpful? <laughs> Just to put you yeah, all on the spot. Awesome. I've got this table here. Any thoughts about how you can be more intentional? These are great. This is gold mine. Uh, how about you guys? to add Phil or is that a good summary prayer absolutely huge it's great guys in the corner any other thoughts um, one thing we were saying is just wanting to like reach out and check in on people more yeah good Yoni yeah that's something I think we talked about as well great and this table anything to add I think we were kind of talking about how some of the things that came out of the survival mode like mm -hmm. probably knowing our limits almost having limits imposed on us mm -hmm. by the city or by COVID like actually created some good rhythms yes um yeah. Almost like before you rush into getting back to the craving, like try and yeah, be better with setting limits. Very good. Yeah. Simplicity but, and. Yeah, and just knowing what is, knowing what is important. Yeah. Um, better self care. And yeah. Putting family, family time and. Um, yeah. That's, that's super helpful and actually providential that that's at the end of this bit because I wanted to also say, which is kind of coming through, but just again, just for a moment, I guess, and this, is a, this isn't like a one-off moment, but what have we learned that we do not want to lose? What are the things that, that have happened? Um, you know, it could even be like, I know, for example, practically us as a church being in the park, I'm like, man, there's some things that have happened to us by being in a park that I don't want to lose. And I almost want us to be like, let's get that down so that as a, as a church family, we're like, to some level accountable. Like the, 
you know, we may not stay in a park forever, but what has that put in us? Why did God do that? Why? What are the things that have happened that have been really good for us that before we just rush in, as you say, back into kind of, oh, as it was, you know, what I'm saying is, is there's things that God has wanted to change in his church globally through this period, without a doubt. And it's kind of been coming through, but just quickly, any other thoughts? Just, just put your hand up, shout out. Things you think, oh, Tom, in a year's time, if we've lost this thing, I'll be so sad. Phil. Yeah, it's like, and this is for uh, myself too. I just, you, you said it a second ago, um, just simplicity. Like, you can just be, in, I want to be really intentional on seeing mm-hmm. the few most important things are. Yeah. And if, uh, if, if there's like seven of them. I love that. Like, yeah. So simplicity is something I really want to carry forward. I totally, totally agree. And I actually had, in my like personal like list, I was like, I was, I was thinking, gosh, what does it mean for us to be a church over the next 20 years in this city? Not in another city, in this place. Everyone's crazy busy. That's not going to change. So we have to build, continue to build simply. We cannot, people just have not got the bandwidth that honestly other places have. And that there's other challenges in other places, but what does it mean for us to be kind? Simplicity is kind. So we do a few things really well. And when people are like, hey, how come you don't do X, Y, and Z? And it's because, oh yeah, we made that decision because we, we actually value emotional health. People are not just resources to be used. They are children of God, we're a family. Yeah, I remember repenting to the church in Canterbury because we had this rock star drummer who played every week. And I was like, man, we're using this guy. And I said, guys, we're going to have... Honestly, there was three other drummers, but they were nowhere near as good as... <laughs> I was like, we all love Johnny. Okay, he's a legend, but we're not going to have Johnny for a few weeks and he's going to be once a month and it won't sound as good. And some of you, honestly, you'll leave because things won't... You will, but people are consumers. And they go, I want to have a product. And I'm like, if that's your thing, just go now. We're a family. And I want Johnny to have a healthy marriage. But if he's every week at 7 a.m. practicing getting ready, that's going to kill him. And that, honestly, a lot of you have come and you've had your own version of that. There's a burning out. The American church is, it can be really, really bad on that. And we don't want bad events, right? We're being served brilliantly by George and Matthias and Joni today and Tim. And we're not saying, oh, it's going to be a nightmare rubbish. But what we are saying is everything goes through the lens of simplicity because we're a family. And just as I wouldn't force my family, my physical family, to do more than they can do, that is a huge value, particularly in San Francisco, where, you know, if you're here, you know what it's like to work a 70-hour, 80-hour week. So I hope that fills you with joy and you can be bold in the simple, the simple gospel and a simple church that does a few things well rather than endless ministries being added that actually we all end up dying under. Any other thoughts, things that we've learned that you think I don't want to lose? George, did you have one? Yes, I noticed people were eating at church and I thought it'd be cool if we, you know, when we can't practice yes. the meal. Yes, yeah. Uh, Once COVID restrictions allow, you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, let's do it now. No. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Yeah, eating. I'm the person now. And, and you can see the standard has plummeted. <laughs> Kathy left me. It's the special, Tom, the special Tom script. Any other thoughts? Come on, guys, there's loads that God's been doing. Yes. So that's what you said over there, like, about choosing ideas. It's just been 
like one of my survival strategies this year was I saw so many social media rubbish things. Yeah. I just like stopped using social media. Right. Which was great. And then, um, but one of the things is like intentional, being intentional about not like doing that so that I can see what's going on generally. Yeah. But also being really intentional about knowing what the truth really is. Right. So, so and, and I think that that's going to be really simple as well. But yeah. I don't, I don't, I think on one of the passages that you were talking about, Paul's, Paul talked about not being tossed to and fro. Yeah. And I think there's so many things so that, good. That, that can touch, throw, throw us, you know, toss us to and fro. Mm-hmm. And uh, in San Francisco now will we'll change so much in the next uh, three or four five yep. years. Yep. And I really want to be intentional about knowing what the truth is. Love that. It could be really good. So good. Any other thoughts? Yeah. Sometimes, not most of the time, choosing the yes. better thing. Is, yeah. mm-hmm. So good. Absolutely. This is so good. Oh, so good to be talking again. Disgusting. Love it. Um, well, uh, what I'd love us to do, um, George and Matthias, uh, can you guys just come up again? Can we just finish with one song? Wasn't, wasn't worship so great, by the way? It was just, just so, can we just thank them? Because... I was like, I mean, it's been so, so great in the park and everything, but just having three songs, not just two, and actually having, you know, Josie leading us and exhorting us in spiritual gifts. I'm like, oh my word, I've missed this. So if you could lead us in one song, but can we stand to our feet? Let's be intentional. Uh-huh. And I would love, like, we're, we're not a massive group, so can we just have one after, just short prayers? And maybe you're the, per- you know, some, I know, if, if you don't always naturally like doing this, maybe I encourage you just to step out. If this isn't a performance, but in your own simple way, I'd love it if as many of us as possible, before we sing this song, could just almost make a little bit of a prayer of declaration, like an intentional, Lord Jesus, I want this year, you know, to do this stuff. And I, and I want to ask that you would help me in this way. We just have a few of us pray out one after the other and we can amen with each other and then we'll sing a final song. If you guys just keep it a little, not too loud, just for now. Thanks. Great. Oh, that's good. Perfect. So soft. Let's close our eyes. Let's just one by one pray out to Jesus as you see fit, and uh, and then we'll finish with a song. Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping us Yeah.